0: Amen. All right, let's read this together. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I love this passage of scripture. I love having opportunities to to talk about uh, this this passage because it, it sparks faith in me For who we as the church today are called to be. We often use this little phrase that the the church is the hope of the world. And we believe that because the church has been entrusted with the gospel message. We believe that because as we read this passage of scripture, um, we we see what what God is up to. And we can look throughout church history and see how God is moving. Here uh, in Acts 2, we're coming out of Pentecost where where the, the, the disciples, the followers of Jesus that had gathered in the upper room were filled with the Holy Spirit And as a result of that filling, they were empowered to begin partaking in the mission of Jesus to reach the world. And and it resulted in a bold proclamation of the gospel, which on this occasion was accompanied with tongues where where the the disciples were speaking and everyone was hearing it in their own language. So it was supernatural in nature. And, And what happens is that Peter stands up, proclaims the gospel message, declares that Jesus is both Lord and Messiah. And we read in verse 37 that when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the, gift, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all, whom the, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3000 were added to their number that day. And so we see this this repeating throughout church history. We we see a, a people who have come to know Jesus who are filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to accomplish the mission of Jesus uh, to make disciples of all nations. And we see the Spirit of God moving in power, God moving and interacting with people so much so that they hear the gospel message and there's something supernatural that happens as they respond. Their their hearts are cut to the the core. And they're, they're, what, what can we do well, how do we need to respond? Like we're, there's something that resonates deep into our souls because we were created by the one whom this story is all about. And so there's something deep within our souls that responds to it. And, and on that particular day, the church went from about 120 people that had gathered in that upper room like Jesus told them to and, and pray who were filled with the Holy Spirit to now over 3,000. And so that that uh, from a from a church planner's perspective is a bit of a nightmare for for one. Like how do you how do you scale that quickly and how do you? But we're about to find out what what they did. I mean, it's like a dream in one way and also like a nightmare in one way. Like that's amazing, but how, what do you do with all those people overnight? But but what we see throughout the book of Acts is that God continues to move in power and draw people to Himself through ordinary, untrained people who would simply been with Jesus. And in fact, that's often how, that's what you can see throughout the book of Acts in the way that it's structured. You'll often see, and 2,000 more were gathered, and and a great number more were multiplied. And and you see a structure in the book of Acts through the the growth and the expansion geographically of the church. And it's kind of how the book of Acts is structured. And so this is the first time we see this. It's often known as the birthplace of the church, and so in that, the church was established to, to facilitate the move of God on the earth. That's what we're about. We're, we're not simply an organization. We're not simply a group of people who have come together because we love Jesus and live in a certain proximity. We are a part of something much bigger than that in, in the way that God instituted the church to facilitate his movement on the earth knowing that God is active, that he's moving, that there's people that he's pursuing and reaching, and we have the opportunity to, to partner with him and then to be a, the family of God, the church that facilitates what he's doing. What, what an honor, what a privilege, and what a responsibility. But we see it right here that this fledgling group of men and women that as as I mentioned, that they will later be described as ordinary, unschooled people that had been with Jesus saw the world changed. Literally, the church became the hope of the world, and, and so we ask ourselves, what allowed them? Uh, what, what about the, who they were and what they uh, were about uh, allowed them? Of course, it was by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit and the work of God in people's lives. But what we see in Acts 2, 42 through 47 is a beautiful description of a people who God was able to use for his purposes in the earth. And so we say, wow, how, wh- what do we need to do? <laughs> and like, how can we learn? Because that's what we Want to be about, and often uh, when I teach through this passage of Scripture, we'll spend quite a bit of time uh, on the different aspects of, of chapter of, of uh, chapter two, verse forty two, um, where it describes a few of those distinctives that they were committing themselves to: the apostles teaching, um, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And we are going to talk about those a little bit. But I actually felt in preparation for this morning that we were to, to, to stop a little earlier than that and, and really just getting two or three words into this passage with, a, with an incredibly powerful word, which is devoted. It begins, they devoted themselves to then these four things, specifically the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, the fellowship, and to prayer. But I think one thing that God would have us to notice and to to recognize is that when you have a list of things, okay, this is what they did, you can learn from that. But if you just go and try to do those things, that becomes religion, that becomes like, oh, this is what you're supposed to do. Let's do these things. And, and we, can, we can easily kind of shift into religious mode. Oh, we're supposed to go to church. or we're supposed to read our Bible. Oh, we're supposed to do these things. We're supposed to pray. I need to pray more. You know, all those kinds of things where we can get into that mode a little bit. And it's not that those things are bad. enough. those are actually, those are. There are spiritual disciplines. There are things that we are to be about. There are things that if we spend time doing, it's gonna give life to us and to those around us. But if it becomes something that we're just going through because it's what we're supposed to do, we don't get any of that. We don't get any of the benefits. We just get the burnout. We get the religious spirit. We get the, you get judgment. You, you get all, all of those things that are, that are pretty icky. And so it is that this word devoted is incredibly important to what follows. It is the way that they saw what they were to be about. It is it is what had transpired internally that led them to be about what they were doing externally. And this word is is actually uh, somewhat complex. I think uh, "devotion," as it's translated in I V, is a is a great word to try to to pull all the meaning uh, of the Greek word out. Um, as if you look in like a, a Bible. Dictionary, a biblical dictionary, this is kind of some of the things that you find to be earnest towards, to persevere, or be constantly diligent toward a person or a thing, giving unremitting care to a person or a thing, to attend to or adhere steadfastly to a person or thing, to wait on continually or be in constant readiness. For a person or a thing, so so these descriptions are like wow, they're everything. You're 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 constantly ready. There is unremitting care. There is adherence or a diligence towards being constantly available, or given to something. It's a it's a it's a really potent word. Like whoa, there is a lot there that begins to explain what was happening in that church. When we use the word devotion. There is is a whole other series of kind of definitions that that you might find. It is you, you find actually a lot of other really potent words in the definition of devotion. Words like love and loyalty and fidelity and allegiance and fealty. And I actually. I want to read some of the definitions of those words. I know it's a lot of definitions, but there's something impactful here to understand about um, what, what the, de- the, the power of devotion towards that which we believe or are committed to, okay? So just some of these words. So love is an intense feeling of deep affection that, that is a part of the, the characteristics of devotion. Fidelity is a continuing faithfulness to an obligation, trust, or duty, Fealty is a fidelity acknowledged by an individual as a compelling or sworn vow. Allegiance, an adherence to a people, group, or idea. Loyalty, a faithfulness that is steadfast in the face of any temptation to renounce, desert, or betray. So all of that wrapped up into one word gives us a pretty good indication of why this church, this fledgling group of people changed the world. And it wasn't just that they committed themselves to do these certain actions. It was that there was a devotion that they carried in their pursuit of Jesus and their love for one another uh, that, that gave them in incredible strength and resilience uh, to to. To face what they had to face, to face the world around them. You know, when we think about the word devotion, um, a lot of times we'll think about marriage. There's the place where we are devoted to one another. The, the Latin for the, the, is where that word comes from, and it's to vow, where there's, there's a vow. That's the level of, of care, of loyalty, of love. There's, there's a vow with it. And so in marriage, we think about there's a devotion. It's, it's like a, a, it is a vow that we have made. And it's not only a, a one-time vow that we've made that communicates the devotion, no, we communicate devotion in an ongoing way through our commitment to one another. And we may do that in a in a daily way where we're saying, hey, I, I love you, uh, you know, on, on, on the daily. There's, uh, you know, weekly, maybe we're trying to get a date night, so there's time set apart. And maybe more irregularly, you're have, going to a marriage conference or uh, th- those kinds of things. One of the things that we were encouraged to do uh, 12 years ago now before coming and planting this church in, in a kind of a transitional season in life was, hey, you should go get some marriage counseling, do an intensive, like utilize this time, prepare your marriage, increase devotion to one another. And so we were like, yes, that's exactly what we want. And and there has to be th- at times to increase devotion that you are giving time to it. And so Joy and I went uh, to somebody that was recommended to us that does uh, intensive marriage counseling. And so we're like, great, we, that, let's, let's do it, let's go for it. And, uh, and this trip became one of the highlights of, uh, of our marriage for me. Personally, um, because we got down there to Louisiana, of all places, on the Black Bayou. And uh, we were down there sweating and fighting mosquitoes, but getting marriage training. And uh, and we, we come in, and uh, we have our, a guy that owns the property, and him and his wife are committed to this marriage ministry. And uh, we, uh, Joy and I, still affectionately call him Steve, though that's not his real name. He reminded me of an old landlord that I had that was really... Uh, Interesting person, and we, but they just reminded us of each other. And, and, and Steve himself uh, was uh, kind of uh, the stereotypical, and so any therapist in the room, I know that they're not all like this, but he was kind of the stereotypical kind of close talker and liked to ask about feelings. So, very regularly, how does that make you feel? <laughs> Okay, And so he literally did that, the stereotype and whatever. So, so he would do that. And historically in our marriage, uh, joy was the one who understood and engaged with feelings where I had trouble doing that. I had been on a major learning curve of uh, you know, joy. Well, how are you feeling about that? Like, I don't know. And so then that would take us into like, well, do you not want to open up to me? Do you not, no, no, like literally, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I don't have words for it. I don't know how to get in there. And so, uh, so that was, we're, we're working that through in our marriage. And so I, she has full permission, just ask me questions and I'll tell you. And like, well, what about the, I don't know. What about the, I don't know. What about the, uh, maybe kind of like this. And so just probe, probe, probe. So I'm getting a little better, but we show up at Steve's place. And we go into this place, and joy has a, a high value for authenticity and for different things. And, and Steve, though I believe, God bless his soul, is very authentic, it just was kind of that like the, an environment created that joy wasn't thriving in. Um, and so, because he would come to me and say, How does that make you feel, Travis? And, and I would share how I think I was feeling, and he would be like, That's so good good, Travis, that's good. Leaning in close. And I had a doctor that was a close talker, and so I'd gotten used to it, I think, and I just, I didn't mind it. I don't have personal space issues, like, yes, bro, yes. So then it would be Joy's turn, and he, he would, uh, you know, talk to her a little bit. Okay, so Joy, and Travis said this, how does that make you feel, leaning in? And Joy would try to communicate what that made her feel, and he'd be like, Joy, that's not a feeling. That's what you're thinking about it. I need to know how you feel. <laughs> And so I'm getting excited. I'm like, yes, Joy. We, we need to know how that makes you feel. And, literally, and so we, we, that didn't cause great interactions later afterwards, but I literally did like, yes, please tell us. So she'd try again. Joy, no we need to know how it makes you feel. Then she gets this little remedial sheet. It was awesome. It had like a hundred emojis on it before emojis were a thing. And, and every single one of them had like a feeling attached, like, like a sad face, sad, happy, happy face. You know, like, and I'm like, yeah, show, Joy, show us what, what one of these, you know, you're feeling. And, um, and it wasn't working. And she was getting more and more frustrated. She's like, this is, I'm feeling anger. That, this one right here. This is what I'm feeling. Um, and, and, uh, and so he shifts to try to get, get in there with her to role-play. Joy's also not a big role-play kind of person. Again, she's like, I wanna stay in reality. Um, you are not my husband, Steve. <laughs> um, but so he starts with me. Steve is Joy, and we're role-playing. I, I like it, I, I'm kind of enjoying it. Like, it's just kind of fun, like, let's just, let's just roll with it. And so he's like, very good, Travis, and gives me a little hug, like, you know, <laughs> like, I feel loved, I feel blessed. Now, Joy, now you come. Now, And it just did not go well. And so we got some good stuff out of that marriage. There were some practicals that came out of it, but the best thing we've had is the joy over the last 12 years of remembering that and and me just feeling really good about myself. And and so, but I, you know, so I'm like, Joy, anytime we want to go back, we've not been back, unfortunately. but a highlight of marriage, a commitment to devotion because of the way it just strengthens. It brings you together. There are bonds, even in some of the failure moments, just like, but we're committing to one another. We're working this thing through and it brings such resilience and power so that the church, so that a marriage can remain strong, so that the church can be uh, the hope of the world. And I wanna say this. I believe that we are in what I'll call a a John 17 hour in history for the church. Now, let me explain. John 17 is where you find the great high priestly prayer of Jesus simply stated. That's just a prayer that he prayed towards the end of his life. And part of that prayer was where he prayed for us, all those that would believe in this message of the gospel that would follow him. And so he's literally praying for us and we get to hear those words and see those words and, um, and meditate on the, the words that Jesus prayed over us. We know the Holy Spirit's continually interceding for us, but this is just, it's just an amazing passage. So the thing that he prays is Powerful. I mean, it is a bold prayer because he prays that we, the church, those that would follow him, would experience unity. That we would be bonded in unity in the same way that he is in unity with his father. And we understand that the unity between the father and the son is perfect unity. Which is why I say that is a old prayer. That's a big prayer. That is a supernatural type of expectation for that that prayer to to come into being. And and yet, uh, it, it comes with an incredible promise. Because as he prays that, what he's praying is, Lord, I'm praying this, that they would experience that kind of unity so that the world will know, God, that you sent me to be their rescuer so that the world will know that you've sent me. And so in that prayer, not only is, is Jesus praying for us, this place of unity, which is one of the things that makes me hold on to, and believe that, that it's possible because he's praying it over us, uh, and I'm guessing he's a pretty good prayer. Um, and so we're, we're saying, yes, it's possible. Yes, there is a unity that, that Jesus is praying out for us that is that is completely interwoven with at least a, a portion of the way that he plans to redeem the world. And so that's, that's a big deal. And so what I see in, in this church in Acts two forty two, 42, the, the, this early fledgling church um, is, is a type of devotion to Jesus and to one another that brings a unity uh, that you know, nothing else matters, that we are adhering to, to this, that we are committing to one another, that there is no other thing that will, uh, that will, that will come in between us and be able to sprout up. And, and it gave a strength and a power and an authority where it ends up saying there in verse 47 that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And we don't know how all of those people were getting connected. But one thing we, do, we don't see here um, is that one of the things, particular things they were devoted them to was like evangelism or, or sharing the gospel in your workplace. Or, now, I'm not saying that those things weren't happening. They most likely were. There was an overflow happening. And so, but, but one of the things that we do see is that there was radical community happening that was completely set apart from the world around them. And, it, and, and I believe that as people see that, according to John 17, that they are going to be, they're gonna to come to Jesus, that there's gonna be a coming into and towards Jesus. And, and so I, I say that this is a John 17 hour for the church because we live in a day where at least is it, for, from what I know and what I've experienced and how I've seen the world around me is more divisive than ever before. There's more, more division, There's more There's more uh, there, there is more hate, there is more anger, there is more social acceptance of voicing those things in, in, in public about certain people and, 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 it gets, it's, and it's hurtful. And it's, it's shaming and there's guilt and it's, it's a mess. It really is a mess. And so more than ever before, it, it feels so, so tangible, so easy to see how a church that is unified, amongst a world that is divided, feeling isolated, feeling shamed, feeling beat up for what they believe or having forced to, to say something even though they don't own it or, or feeling depressed or anxious or alone would, would look at a community that has come together through the storms of the world and through the animosity and say, I need that. That's what I desire. To be a part of something like that where, where I'm loved, where I'm not shamed, where there is, there is, a, there is a, uh, something that we're running after. There's something that's bigger than ourselves. There's, a, there's love for one another. There's commitment to one another, even when there's differences, and, and to, to walk those things out. I believe that's what... The world is looking for. And I believe that's what the, the prayer of Jesus is acknowledging. The world is looking for something like that. I think that's what Acts 2.42-47 is acknowledging. That when people saw that, they were being added to their number daily. Every day coming in saying, I want to follow Jesus because of what, how, how, you, how you interact with one another. Because of your devotion to him and to one another. And so this de- devotion lo- looks something like this. As we go on through Acts 2, 42, it looked like a devotion to the apostles' teaching. And so we're gonna go through these quickly. But what I would say about the apostles' teaching is that we need to take off the lens of the mindset of just like, okay, they, they kind of went to a Bible study. Because that, that uh, is not the, the picture here for us. The picture here is the ministry of Jesus, who, who is one who taught with authority And then there was a substantiation of his teaching uh, in the way that he lived. So there was lifestyle change. There was a challenging of the social norms where he, he operated in things like humility, which was not a value of his day. He, uh, he expressed servant leadership, was, which was not something that was valued in his day. Uh, he obviously lived a sinless life and called people to higher moral standards, saying things like, you know, if you hate your brother, that's like murder. If you look upon another lustfully, that that's like committing adultery. He was like upping the standard of holiness. So he's calling us to, it and some some of that lifestyle substantiated gave authority to his teaching he's not just saying things to placate people he's like living it out and the other thing that was substantiated it was miracles signs wonders people being healed set free delivered and so he was coming with authority and with a lifestyle and uh, character and and miracles that substantiated the teaching, that, that that proved it, that showed it and demonstrated it, and so that is what is being being modeled by the by the disciples. That's what they know. That's the way their rabbi did it. That's all they know. They're not schooled. They, they, they don't know how to do these things except for by looking at Jesus. And so they, they, they adhered to, to these teachings and learning from these guys who had walked with Jesus. And we see some of that um, as, as you read down in Acts chapter 2 there, that not only did, did, was there just the teaching, but it says in verse 43 that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So there was a substantiation of the teaching that was happening. There was awe and wonder at God moving in their midst, at the truth of God's word that was on display and his power. And so I want to do something a little different. Um, And, you know, we always have announcement time where we're sharing different things that are happening in the church and and, and what's going on. And uh, because we want people to be involved in it. And, um, and I'm going to do some of that right now. And I said to God, I said, God, that's not announcement time. Like we have times for announcement. There's a slot little here and a slot here. where We'll put announcements in. And, um, and God said, that's because it's not an announcement. It's an invitation and, and, and I want, and, and, or, or a response. I think this is, is part of our response today. The things that we would usually see is like, oh, okay, that's announcements. And like, oh, that one kind of catches my ear. And, and maybe I'll go to that. But rather, they're in a sermon today because I, I really got the sense from God saying, hey, this is just an opportunity for us to respond. Now, devotion doesn't look like, oh, I've got to be at every single event or they're going to think I'm not. No, that that turns into the religion part of it. Like, you got to do this and be at this event. But I will say this. We are not doing events or putting on conferences or hosting this or that because we're looking for more things to make you busy because we're looking for things to do because we're not busy enough. We, we all know what life is like. Uh, we're not doing these things because, oh, churches are supposed to do these things. We're trying to go to God and say, how can we see more community happen? How can we see people grow in faith? How can we be strengthened in, in different areas of our life? And God, what, are, what, is the impot- what, you know, what is the impetus in your heart for us to do some of these things? And so with that, it goes in, yes, I know there's still announcements and all that, but, it, but it's like, hey, how can we be devoted to, to the life of this, this church body? How can we be devoted to the things that are happening and the teachings and trainings and times of response? I'm gonna break it down into a couple different things. And this is just some of the things that are going on where we're getting into the presence of God. There's gonna be teachings and trainings and things like that that you might uh, be aware of. And so as I read these, don't do the zone out on the announcements but this is more of a response. Are there things, God, that actually I am to be a part of? And anytime we're, we're thinking about that, I want you to think not just about, oh, do, do I need that? Is there something I'm going to get there? Because that's not church. That's a part of church. There's things that we receive, but there's also things that we're a part of, not because we'll receive something, but because we have something to give. And so it's not just the one way, it's not transactional, like, okay, I'll go if it makes, as long as it's something I want to receive or need to receive. But actually, as a part of the body, there's also things that I, I may need to be there because I want to I give, too. I want God to use. He's been stirring me. I want to be at that. So we've got some things coming up. Obviously, we said world mandate. That's a big one for us as, as a church as we move forward together in the purposes of God. Um, we've got an encounter night. Uh, encounter nights are just uh, small little times, hour and a half to two hours on Friday nights, um, a couple of times each semester, a few times a year. We get together for extended worship. Sometimes we'll have little teaching nuggets on intercession or the prophetic or different things that God would be leading us in, and we have a time of ministry and response. And so, uh, but but uh, a time together, that's coming up on August 18th, a Friday evening. Um, we have Jesus Hour. I don't know how many of you know this. It happens every Tuesday morning from 7.30 to 8.30. It's just a time in here uh, where there's just a, a volley of intercession and prayer and being in the presence of God. Sometimes there's people in here just having their quiet times as the, the, the worship team is just kind of leading, but it's just a, a holy space uh, on Tuesday mornings to start your day. You can come for the whole time. You can come and go if you need to. Also on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we just leave the sanctuary open with mer- worship music going um, as a place for people to come on their lunch break or to come after a busy day, or whatever, to, to, um, to be here in the presence of God. And so we do that on Tuesdays and Thursdays till 5 o'clock, um, it, just a place to, to linger longer. We, uh, one of the exciting things that's been happening in our church, and many of you, if you've been here, know this, but have been experiencing a season of revival that began last fall, and uh, really, World Mandate was right at the center of that. We're doing a series on revival, and uh, we just feel like God has just ignited something new. We've had... Some some staff meetings that have gone long and church services that have gone long. Not that that's the pure definition of this of revival, but just this hunger and a desire to linger in His presence. And I've been looking, you know, just saying, God, how can we do that? And so some of these are those things. Jesus Hour Encounter Night in the in the midst of that season, Upper Room reached out to us and said, Hey, we're we're going to be coming through. We'd love to have a worship night on your campus. We're like, Yeah, come on! Like we would love to do that. They've come out once before, and so uh, Upper Room is going to be here and. Have Having a worship night in the sanctuary on September 6th and uh, that's something that they're running and so but you can go to our website and it'll funnel you to theirs um, to register and sign up for that but uh, there there are things that are happening that we're desiring to do uh, that will increase devotion to Jesus and I would say a lot of those are kind of the devotion to Jesus. The other thing that we, we find in Acts 2 42 is not only they devote themselves to the apostles teaching to the way of Jesus but they also um, uh, devoted themselves to fellowship. And, and it's really an incredible thing what that description looks like there in Acts 2. It says in verse 46 that every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. So there was just a commitment. And actually that, that's the same word. The, the word that's translated devoted earlier is also found here. It's only found 10 times in the New Testament. Um, and I think four or five of them are around devoting to prayer, um, two of them are found here, um, and the others are, are kind of used in, in other ways. One of them, interestingly enough, was this. It's the one time Jesus used the word. I thought it was interesting. Um, I forgot where it was even now, in Mark. It was in Mark somewhere. But uh, he, it was a time where Jesus was teaching, and the crowds were surrounding him and, um, and kind of pushing on him. And he would asked the disciples, can you have a boat that would be devoted to me? Um, in, case, in case I need to get out, like it's pressing around me. And, uh, and so it was, the, it was the one example in the New Testament where it was kind of a more physical, like a, a boat that would be devoted to somebody, not like we're devoted, a person is devoted to something. But, but, it, but it kind of spoke volumes to me for some reason about uh, the, the dependability, or like are, are we as the people of God going to be there for one another in, in that sense? Like, hey, I, I, I need that boat, devoted to me. You know, like don't go out though, like don't don't be like here are some other fishermen saying, Hey, it's the fish are biting, you gotta get out of here now. No, it's gotta stay here. Devoted to me. Don't get distracted. Don't don't go out and use it for another purpose. Um, right here and right now it needs to be devoted to me. So just that that place of of commitment and adherence, like okay, I'm going to I'm gonna stick it through, I'm gonna see it through, I'm gonna have an obedience um, that, that, is, that, that, that lasts. And so, um, so we, we see here that there was this devotion to one another that, that had those kind of characteristics, um, so much so that as you read, they, they met together, they broke bread in their homes, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, they praised God together, they enjoyed the favor of the people together. And, and so we see, wow, there is actually a lot of togetherness that, that, inc- that would naturally increase devotion to one another. So much so that if you read a, the description just one verse above, it was that all the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. There was a, a radical nature that stood out to the world around them because of their devotion to one another. It's powerful. And so I wanna give you another Not announcements, but opportunities for response today in the way of community, devotion to, to one another, being in it together. And so some of these could go in either one, but we have a marriage date night coming up on August 12th. That's this Saturday, isn't it? Yes. That's this Saturday. Um, from 5 to 8.30, uh, there's going to be uh, child care provided, people watching, caring for the kids. There's going to be dinner. There's going to be, uh, it's going to be set up for you to have one-on-one time with your spouse here at the church um, with some prompts and some some kind of prompting into some discussion. So there'll be some together time with others, but some just alone time for you and your spouse to, to go there and having communication and getting some prompts with that. I mean, this one, this one, This is a no-brainer, you know? If you're like, wait, childcare, dinner? This is great. So uh, you can sign up for that. Um, That's marriage date night. We have household that happens regularly throughout the year. Household is just a a two-week class that happens during the 9 a.m. service. Uh, And then we encourage people to stick around for the 1045 afterwards. But it's 9 to 1030. And it is just a a new here class. Like, I want to know more about what this church believes uh, and kind of the history and the heart and the vision, as well as how can I be involved uh, because that we really value that as the body, like people again, they're not just receiving, but we're we're involved and we're we're giving uh, away um, as a, as a part of this body, and so that's that's the household that's coming up August twentieth, uh, Sunday August twentieth and twenty seventh. We've got Field Day, September 10th, which is our third annual Field Day. A really just, this is just fun family event. It is a a, a fun, crazy, wild game, some brainiac games with teams that, there's like 10 or 12 teams. You have your different color, everybody's wearing that color and it's it's a competition and there's a winner and a celebration and we eat together afterwards. It's just a lot of fun for adults. For kids, uh, you get to interact and know some people that maybe you wouldn't normally otherwise interact with in the church, so that is a a lot of fun. Uh, Again, you can register for that September 10th, four to seven, just here on campus. We've got a, a men's retreat coming up towards the end of September, an opportunity for men to gather together uh, to sharpen one another. And finally, I would just say life groups. Uh, And next week, we're gonna have more of a life group fair. You're gonna see more a presence of different opportunities to get involved in our small group communities called life group. But this is the heart of our church. It's the opportunity to, to really deeply know others and to be known. It's an opportunity to, to walk in, uh, in the way of be, being a disciple and being held accountable to those things and making other disciples. Uh, it, is, it, is, it is really a, a lot of the life of our church is found in life groups. And so you can find out more about those today in the Connect Center, at the guest tent. Um, but, but you don't want to miss out on that. I believe that God's got so much our church in, in those places. And so there are opportunities to practically respond to this word of devotion. And it's not only the practical response. Again, we're not expecting anybody to be at all of these events or going to be looking at who's signed up. It's just there is a practical way if we're saying, okay, how do we respond? Because we, really revo- we really value that as a culture, like that we would respond to God. Not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word that there will be a response to the word of God. And so just felt like God said, hey, here's some practical ones. Here's some practical ones. We also want to allow God to deal with our heart. Let me just hit these last two real quick from Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, and um, most scholars believe that that would be communion, not just the eating meals together, which is also mentioned, but this is like taking communion with one another. And, And what that is, and I talked about it while we were taking communion last week, it is them taking every opportunity to identify with Jesus, In this early church, they would have all been Jewish uh, believers in Jesus. And so one of the things that kind of set them apart was the taking of communion. It was the way that they identified themselves as followers of Jesus and the way that they remembered and were filled with gratitude for what Jesus had done for them. And the final thing that they devoted themselves to was prayer. And what an what a incredible experience that must have been for those men and women who for, for most of their life and what they understood about the Jewish faith is that connection with God came through the priest and the, the kind of that would intermediate uh, for you. But now they have direct access to God, you know, the direct access to the holy of holies. Um, later uh, it would be described as the the ability to approach the the throne room of grace with confidence just and and so this unique new man uh, we're devoting to prayer the opportunity to to talk and to listen to the father what an incredible thing and um, and so, for us, we want to be a people that are devoted to that. In fact, we have a one of our many prayer teams in the church pray for the services on Sunday mornings, and uh, they always share with me kind of what God is highlighting, what they're praying into. And it is uncanny how regularly it is spot on. And today. Um, they just felt God was leading them to, to pray the preeminence of Christ over us as a church and over our lives as we go out into the, kind of this kickoff Sunday and the, the busyness and the things that are vying for our attention. Um, and would we allow Christ to have preeminence? They, they were led to the passages that speak about running the race and not being hindered and let, not being entangled by things, um, but, but really being committed to run the race. You know what that spoke a lot to me of was devotion. <laughs> it spoke of like, yes, that you would be preeminent. There's all kinds of things that are vying for our attention, our affection, our devotion. But would you have preeminence? Would we not allow those things to, to steal from the way that we, we desire to be committed to you? But may we be given to you. Let me, have, let me pose this question for you as we conclude. What does it look like for me to be devoted to the things of the kingdom. Today, uh, I, in fact, why don't we go and do it? Why don't we just kind of close your eyes for a moment and we're gonna invite the Lord Jesus to come and take inventory of the things that we, that we do and the way that we spend our time, the, just the, the condition of our hearts and say, Lord, are th- is there any way that you wanna lead me in an increased devotion to you today. Maybe some things that we need to stop doing or others that we need to start doing, but it might also just be some con- the condition of our heart coming back into alignment with our eyes being fixed on him. This, this, like I said, is a condition. It's just our heart. And so as we take some time to respond here in a moment, the front is just open as always. If there's a place where you feel like, I just need to come and get on my knees before the Lord and just committing again my devotion, stepping out and stepping into what he has for me, you can do that. We're going to have some ministry team members up here in the front that would love to pray for you, whether it has to do with something in the message or not. If you came in here with a burden or a struggle, please don't leave this place without receiving prayer. If there's a need that you have, maybe physical or emotional or financial, whatever it might be, we just believe that God answers prayer and that we, we're to be the church that prays for one another, that gets in and, and fights for one another. So I'd encourage you to do that. But Let me pray for us as we move into a time of response. Why don't you stand with me? God, we we know that you are not a king who is greedy or insecure, sitting up on your throne, demanding devotion from his subjects, but rather quite the opposite, that you are a king who is good and generous, who is completely secure in need of nothing and yet who has given everything in such a way that the response, the natural response, is that we, ones who have been loved, ones who have been saved and set free, would pledge our devotion to you, our love, our loyalty to you. And so we do that now, God. We pledge those things to you. We wanna give you the devotion of our hearts and our lives. And we also give our devotion to your bride because that's where your heart is. And so, Lord, we pray that there be an increased devotion in us today, both in our hearts and in the way that we live our lives and and use our time. We pray in Jesus' name. So whether you need prayer and want to come forward as our ministry team comes forward at this time, or whether uh, you need to come and just get on your knees before God, uh, whatever it is that you need to do, maybe it's pulling out your calendar and saying, hey, we've got to get some of these things down. Um, let's not leave this place without responding to God.